loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming back to the show Joshua Black, Ph.D. Joshua is a grief researcher, speaker, consultant, and host of the Grief Dreams podcast. His work focuses on dreams and continuing bonds after loss, including prenatal and pet loss. As one of the world's leading academic experts in grief dreams, which can be dreams of the deceased, Dr. Black has directed his efforts on raising awareness about this fascinating phenomenon through media interviews, including PBS Next Avenue and CBS News, in addition to speaking engagements and workshops. In addition to in addition to griefdreams.ca you can find him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Clubhouse. Welcome Joshua. Thank you for having me back. I'm happy to have you back. You know, um I my my keen interests always follow my own experiences and uh I've been uh more and more interested on the long-term impact of a big loss on a person's life. And so when I have a a guest back, I'm excited because it so resonates with that uh, curiosity of mine, both about my own grief and other people's grief. So thanks for coming back. It's always a pleasure to raise awareness. Absolutely. So when we when we spoke before, we talked a little bit about what led you to this work. But given that there are probably listeners who were not with us that time, can you just fill fill the listeners in a little bit about how you came to do this research and um, the personal connection to it? Yeah, I actually checked back to see when I was last on and it was January 2017. So yeah, that's uh, (laughs) it's been a while, right? (laughs) For sure. Yes, I'll tell the story. So for me, I always wanted to be an elementary school teacher. That was the dream my dad had for me. And I kind of embodied that and I I enjoyed working with kids. So that's the the direction of my life. And so I went to university. I was in my fourth year. It took me five years to finish my undergrad. I was in my fourth year and that was my plan. And then all of a sudden he died. And for me, it was the first time I had a significant loss in my life, and it completely shook me. Like it crumbled me. Maybe the best way to put it. Mm. I, I I never really thought about death, and when people had grief, I never really, I guess, understood it. And I kind of feel bad now looking back on how I responded when people told me that of their losses, because I didn't know, you know, and that was just my ignorance, and I didn't have the experience myself, so. Having that experience really showed me a lot. And so what happened, I got that phone call and I just started crying. And as a good male in a society, I didn't cry much, if ever. <laughs> <laughs> that was uncharacteristic, huh? <laughs> it was. So because of that, it was scary because I couldn't stop it. And before when I maybe wanted to uh, stop crying, I could. But this was just so overwhelming. And I was just crying for like three days. It was just so much and so scary. And I didn't know how to, you know. How to cope, and I think that was the downside of you know, where I was in my life is yeah, I didn't know how to deal with these emotions that were coming up, and so I'm glad I had a partner that was helping me out. But I was, I was becoming very erratic in my decisions, and I wanted to drop out of school and go to Israel, which is a place he wanted to to bring me in the following year. And so it was nice I had someone close to me that was saying, you know, just you know, relax, you know, let's think about that after you're done school. You need to finish your schooling before you make any of these rash decisions. And so it was nice because at that time I I would have went. And so um, what happened next was, you know, I went back to school and what was great was those tears stopped. So that was amazing. But the joy also in my life also stopped. I couldn't have happiness. I wasn't feeling happy. Mm -hmm. The best way to put it, I was depressed and I didn't, I didn't know that I could change it, to tell you the truth. It was just, I thought this is the way it is. And so all the color came out of my world. 
Mm. And I went back to school, still got good grades, went to work, and no one really talked about it, talked about the loss. And I just thought, oh, this is how it is. And never thought that it could be back the way it used to be, you know? That's so interesting because uh, people ask me very often, as you can imagine, how do you know if you're depressed or you're grieving, right? Mm. <laughs> and to me, grief is very colorful. Uh, you know, if you're those three days you were crying, you were not dull, you were no. full of feeling, right? Yeah. And so, in some way, in my experience, depression often comes when people are trying to bypass grief. Um, yeah. They're very, they're very different experiences, at least for me personally, and for many of the clients I've had. I agree, and you could tell with me being the male, and that was my coping style was to, you know, suppress the, the sadness in life. And so it was nice I was able to do it. Like I found the tools to be able to go back to that coping <laughs> At least mechanism. You finish <laughs> school, which is so which is so common too with having a big loss at that stage of life. You know, <laughs> development stops for no man or woman. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> you sort of tend to keep going until you have better resources or or well, it, it, some time or something. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great resource said to try to survive, but it's not great in the long term. And so it helped me in the beginning stages. But if I had to keep going, I don't know where it'd be. But my saving grace was I had a dream of my father three months after his death that completely changed me and brought the life back into me. And so for me, you know, that's where my love of the topic really started. And I'll tell you the dream again, for those who are new. So I was in the I was in my, so I was sleeping. I was in my room and I could see my dad at the other end of my room and he looked so healthy and light, the best way to put it. Like he, he had this heaviness about him in waking life. He had a lot of trauma. He, he didn't know how to deal with his emotions and he drank a lot as a way of coping. And so he always, he never worked on his stuff. So he had this heaviness, you know, within his life. And, but it was the first time I saw him very like light and just joyful and the best way to put it. And he was looking through some of my stuff and, you know, he turned around and I saw him and I walked up to him and I said, I'm going to miss you, acknowledging the loss. And I told him that I loved him. And then we hugged and then I woke up. And the craziest part was when I woke up, everything had changed. I didn't need to interpret the dream. The dream itself changed me. I could feel life back inside me. And I just sat at the end of my bed thinking, what was that? How did I go from one thing? before bed to waking up completely changed to do like a 180 and to feel like I could feel the joy. I could feel life. I could feel the sadness, like everything changed. And I still sit in the mystery of that moment because when a lot of people talk about these dreams, they really talk about the interpretations for the most part, but the dream itself changed me and it changed a lot of people just as I sort of talked to people. And there's something special about that. And so when I look back, I'm like, what was it doing? Like, what was that function of that dream? And how did it, helped me so much. And I, I, I look, and I see, well, I was able to say goodbye, which is something I didn't get a chance to do because his, his death was so sudden. And I, you know, I feel I really wanted to do that. But the other thing I wouldn't have thought consciously was that I needed to tell him I loved him. And we were good males in society and we never really told each other we loved each other, even though it was kind of implied, but we just <laughs> never said it. Last time the I probably implication heard him... <laughs> is so different than the actual spoken word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you learn, yeah. right? Yeah, you learn. And so being able to say that was so meaningful to me. And it was something now I take forward with me. And how uncomfortable it is when I first started to tell even my mom that I loved her and other people I loved them. And that, but that moment allowed me to realize how important that is for me. So I don't want to have that block again in my life. So now I'm actually, if anyone dies around me, I want them to know ahead of time that I do love them. In the last, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking of a client I had who had to teach himself. I mean, it took like a year to teach himself to say he loved, I love you to his mother, and uh, and finally he succeeded. A very very repressed family, yeah. and at first she was very uncomfortable. But then before she died, she became comfortable. That's a real blessing, isn't it? To mm -hmm. be able to freely. Even if the person is uncomfortable, then you've said it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and they're, if, if it's a parent, the reason why you're uncomfortable is probably because they're uncomfortable and they taught you sure. that, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they installed the buttons, right? <laughs> and so we can change, which is really nice. And there's a value of that. And it's just also, too, the difficulty of even saying or doing nice things to others It's in our society is it's not normal. And it's not something that we commonly um, promote. We promote talking about fear and anxieties and, you know, what's wrong in our lives. But we, you know, seldom talk about what's right. And the love that we have with one another is what's right. <laughs> and yet we don't talk about it. Right. You know, I'm thinking right now, Josh, part of the reason we wanted to have this conversation is the impact of COVID, um, this pandemic we've all been living through on, on grief and grief dreams. And it occurs to me, you know, of course, what I've been thinking about, we're over, we're over 600,000 people in the U.S. I don't know about Canada. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, average of five people grieving each person, millions of people in grief, and most of whom had a very abbreviated goodbye um, or impacted goodbye, right? Um, it, it, the people who died of that were usually intubated and, you know, just kind of the hardest way to lose someone on some levels other than sudden. And I wonder if you're noticing any uh, any impact on grief dreaming um, that ha that relates to to this experience? Even you know, I've been working with a number of people who've lost people to things other than COVID, but uh, in this period of time, but still, they're so impacted by you know the background uh, experiences that we're having of being. Uh, unable to be with each other. Yeah. And you definitely, you see the impact of that. And it said, and even if you didn't die or the person didn't die from COVID, the grieving rituals are completely different and how we cope with loss has completely changed. And so the things that used to work or that we had installed in our society, were just not there anymore. And virtual doesn't do as much, I think, as in person for many people. And especially if you can't hug, or you can't, you know, talk to your other family members the way you used to. Like that's very difficult and challenging for many people. And what I see, we won't go into too much detail right now, but what I see is that they're having very, they can have very negative dreams that really reflect the difficulties and the challenges that they're facing. And, you know, with the increase of grief, you also have the increase in trauma based on not being able to say goodbye and all these other factors. And, those dreams are highly related to, you know, negative content and either seeing them as they were uh, incubated or, or dead or a version of them dying again, or sometimes even just feeling helpless, not being able to go to the bedside or be able to say your last words to them uh, can be very disturbing for many people. But the great thing about these dreams is, once again, they're very, they can be very positive. And these, these positive dreams can really help people through the difficulties and new challenges that they faced as, they, uh, as they're grieving. I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a family I'm working with right now, uh, two adult kids and a mom who the, the dad died. And uh, just this last week, the, uh, the son in the family uh, recounted a dream he had of his dad, and it wasn't complicated. It was just kind of there they were together, right? Mm. <laughs> so common, just there they were together. And he said that it when he woke up, he felt different. Mm. Um, and that's a that's a great example of what we're talking about. And of course, they were they couldn't all be with him. Uh, they were allowing one person in, and it was of course his wife. <laughs> Right. So um, they couldn't be with him. But but that seemed significant to me that uh, he had that chance to to sit with his dad for just mm -hmm. a couple of minutes. And I don't really care what the reality of that is. Uh, some people get 
get lost in trying to, yes, figure out, is it a visitation or is it your unconscious or I, I'm not sure that it matters. Do you think it does? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't really matter. As long as the interpretation that the person gives is comforting. If it's distressing, let's look at that and understand where the distress is coming from, because it could become from your interpretation based on you thinking a negative dream is a visitation. And we can get more into some of the negative dreams um, later. But the one thing I just want to mention quickly is that these dreams are very common. So you said around five people will have uh, be grieving after a loss. Probably four of those people will have a grief dream at some point. And yes. just in the in my data, spells of loss was 86% within the first year or two. Pet loss, mm-hmm. 78% within six months. Pregnancy loss, it was 58% within the first year. And I didn't do this study, but someone else did. And 55% of children um, had a dream of the deceased parent. And so it's very common. It's something that we just need to talk about more of. And you may remember or not that uh, I recounted my daughter, my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter's dream after my wife died. That was so uh, amazing. <laughs> you know. So sometimes kids will have really unpolluted dreams. Uh, you know, uh, she dreamed that my wife was at the top of a ladder and she was trying to climb up and, and my wife looked down and said, no, baby, not now. Uh, after she had that dream, I, I thought, oh, um, Jacob's ladder is like an experience someone had or a dream someone had, you know, (laughs) that's a thing. (laughs) It was very, it was very, uh, moving to me. Uh, I I just wanted to mention before the break, uh, I've been thinking about um, how other people's dreams can affect you too. One of my mother's caregivers had a dream of my mother uh, after she died. And my mother was not a hugely happy person, (laughs) you know, um, but this person had a dream of my mother being jubilantly overjoyed. And just saying, it's so beautiful here. And that affected me, even though I didn't have the dream. Let's let's come back to both the good and the bad dreams after, after the break. And listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Joshua Black, go to griefdreams.ca. Be back soon. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Joshua Black about his research into grief dreams. And before the break, Josh, I was talking about this dream that my mother's caregiver, interestingly, the caregiver who asked if she could pray with my mother uh, and massaged her. I mean, she just brought the whole the whole works to my mom and my mom trusted her and they didn't have the same religious background at all. My mom was uh, a fierce Christian, and this woman was uh, um, uh, Muslim. 
um, but they just vibed, right? So I was talking about the dream she had and how that affected me, even though I wasn't dreaming about my mom. Have you run into that before? I have. And it's always amazing when people do share their dreams because many people hide them and because they don't want to feel judged by others. And sometimes they don't want to be the one to have a dream and the other person hasn't had one yet because then the other person get jealous. And there's a lot of things that could complicate their grief, you know, if they interpret it a certain way. Like I've heard people who didn't have dreams think that they weren't loved as much as, you know, someone else who has a dream, stuff like that. And so, uh-huh. but I always say it takes a, a great courage to be able to share the dreams you do have. And hopefully I've seen a lot of times that they were actually very beneficial to others, like they, they were to you. And I've seen not just people that are really close, right? Like she was telling you and you're very close, but I've had like strangers had dreams of the deceased and then reached out to someone that they barely knew and told them about this dream. And it was such an impact to them. And like the dream itself, it's one interesting, sometimes it's just the individual has a dream that was very comforting to them or the imagery was comforting to them. Other times people have these dreams where the deceased is actually telling them to tell someone else um, a message of some sort. And I think that is phenomenal. I've, I had someone come on my podcast, Sandra Roman, and it was interesting with her uh, dream. So it was her niece that died. And then in the morning, the parents were going to pick out an urn. And so she had this, dream of her niece saying, you know, Aunt Monica, or sorry, I'm not Sandra, it was uh, Monica. Um, So she said, Aunt Monica, I need you to tell my mom that I'm okay. She will believe you if you talk about the giraffe necklace, she will know what you're talking about. You just have to tell her that I'm okay. And so it was Monica Mead, sorry. So when Monica woke up, you know, she didn't know anything about the necklace or heard anything about that before, but she told the parents that, and it turns out that, when they went to pick out the urn, they brought her giraffe necklace to drape over the urn. And so it was a connecting for the individual um, and help them out. But it's really amazing when you get these dreams that are actually meant for other people and not the actual dreamer, quote unquote. That's, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, there's there's mystery in the universe and I'm willing to leave it a mystery, but that's that would be so impactful, you know, child... I know from doing this show, show, losing a child is just uh, ripping in a different kind of a way. Uh, and how, how amazingly comforting that would be. Um, because I think there is such a fear of what it, you know, are they okay? Even people that don't have a belief system of living after you know, or afterlife, I guess, still that can really plague folks. Uh, So I can imagine how comforting that would feel. Yeah, you know, and that's the beauty of these dreams where people who are spiritual or even not spiritual, they're having the dreams at a very similar frequency. And the theme is very commonly the same. You'll have these negative dreams or these very positive, positive dreams where there's a lot of love in them. And for those who are spiritual, it'll, they'll, some of the details or what is said will reflect the person's belief. So um, if you're, let's say, Christian, the person may talk about heaven in some way. Um, but if you're not, it could, you're just together in a space of love and you're talking. And sometimes people even like get to like replay memories that they, they've forgotten. And so, yeah, like it's a, it's, when we talk about the subject, the landscape is so full because it applies differently to so many different people. So let's let's move a little bit into these I guess what I'd call them is is psychological dreams in the sense of you're working something out. Um you may remember I had a I had a series of dreams like that. <laughs> you know, where uh yes, I was with my wife, but we we were working on transforming our relationship in a way I was working on it. I we <laughs> who knows. <laughs> but uh and the you know the series came about when I met my second wife. Um, so, do you think <clears throat> you know these negative dreams? Some of them are traumatic, as you mentioned. But I wonder what you think about how much people are trying to work out what's left over or what's problematic in their dreams, as as we do with dreams uh, not in grief. I think, you know, they're, they're kind of 
um, processing environments. What do you what do you notice about that? Yeah, you definitely you definitely see that within these dreams because that is part of grief. Right? We've our relationships with others are very complicated, <laughs> and it's not always just you know roses and sunshine and flowers and stuff. There's a lot of difficulties that we face, and these dreams can help minimize those in many ways or help us relook at the difficulties we're still struggling with those issues. So, so like a negative dream can reflect that in many ways if you have unresolved feelings of guilt or blame and like you're just not forgiving. Other times people can have those types of issues too, but they have these dreams where they're working through it together in a way or the person's offering forgiveness or understanding on why they were the way they were. And I think that's really interesting too. And so there's a lot of ways to be able that these dreams can really help us shift our, I guess, continuing bonds with the individual. So we're not stuck with the anger or the resentment with others. And a lot of people, too, who have, I would say, a positive dream tend to have a different kind of continuing bond with the deceased where they first said that, you know, I remember seeing this one, one individual who said, you know, I believed in heaven and there's a hell. And my father, he definitely would go to hell. And yet I had this positive dream of him that was so loving and he offered forgiveness. And then I thought, huh, maybe it isn't like that. Maybe there's something else. And so he switched his belief structure up a little bit and he was able to forgive his father and develop a different type of relationship as he moved forward. And I think that's really interesting how these dreams can really change our belief systems in different ways. And when I see that, I'm like, what a beautiful statement and beautiful act that these dreams did. because. When we hold on to the anger, it really minimizes how much we can love others and also ourselves. Yeah, I, I like to say, you know, often <clears throat> death can improve a relationship, mm-hmm. um, particularly relationships that are problematic because the personality is what causes the problems, not the essence. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it seems as if there's a possibility in that that maybe dreams help um, because it can be such a different experience of the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that I've encountered who've had dreams, that even the bad dreams are typically, in my experience anyway, you, you're the expert, but in my experience, they're not about the dead person being malevolent. Uh, I don't believe that. Uh, We don't have the scientific tools to fully understand it. But like my whole thing, if people do believe that, I'd say let's first look at the psychological reasons why this could be manifested and let's work on those. And if those dreams still continue, then maybe you have something to go on. But for the most part, what I see is, yeah, it's based on that they're not malevolent, but who we are and what we're dealing with is just reflective in the dream. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and sometimes just replay of trauma, I oh, guess. Poor, yeah, dying again. Yeah. You see that with PTSD a lot. But you know, even if you don't have PTSD, that's still a common thing within trauma. And you know, said that there's you can see them dying again. You can see them um, dying in a different way. You see, they could be um, you could be stuck somewhere and and can't save them. So you feel this, this hopelessness within the dream imagery. All of that is related to trauma. I I feel as if that it's. I don't know if you're doing specific research around the pandemic and how that's going to affect dreaming, but I would think that would be more common that people would have, you know, some things to work out uh, with the loved ones that they've lost uh, in that in that particular manner. Maybe I'm unusual in thinking that's, you know, I was so careful because. I can really picture those deaths and mm-hmm. I didn't want to die that way. I'm not afraid to die, but <laughs> it seemed particularly wrenching for the people that lived, you know, for the people that are grieving. Yeah. It's one of those things I when I looked at, cause when I did the research, it was prior to the pandemic. So all my numbers are before then, but just in general, when we look at of those who do dream of deceased, you know, What's their frequency? Is Are they more positive or they're negative? And one would think they'd be more negative because dreams reflect their waking life. So in general, most people will dream on average negative dreams or negative content in their dreams. And then after trauma, it's even more consistently ne- negative. So 
within grief, you'd think be somewhere in between. And yet what I found in the research was actually it's the opposite. So it's more common, much more common to have a positive dream of the deceased than a negative. And so just with some numbers after spousal loss, 92% had a dream, a positive dream of the deceased and 44% had a negative. And of those 44, 95% of those also had a positive dream. So most people who have negative dreams will also have positive dreams. And I think what's going on there is in the beginning of, of your trauma and your grief, you're, you're having a difficult time, you'll have these negative dreams and then they'll change as we start to heal to something more positive. I've seen a lot of that on my podcast. I haven't actually done the research on that. We need to do like longitudinal research. Mm -hmm. But the same thing happens after pet loss too, where of those who dreamt, 90% had a positive dream and 26 had a negative dream of the deceased. And most of those people who had a negative dream also had a positive dream. So you see this is very interesting. It's very unique. And it's actually different from normal dreaming. And so I can see why when people look at this topic, they come up with a lot of different theories, but it is doing something differently. And so when I look at the pandemic, is there going to be more trauma? Yes. Is there going to be maybe a higher degree of negative dreams? Yes. Will they overpower or become more frequent than positive dreams? The answer is no, because that's not the function. The function right. of these dreams is to help people. So if anything, what is going on in the imagery will be, I think, a little bit different based on how the individual died and what the person's regrets are or what they wish they could have done differently. I think a lot of those positive dreams will, will help with those issues. But I think that's sort of the focus and the function of these dreams is to help individuals through their process. It's interesting, of course, you know, last time we spoke, it brought up all the dreams that I had in grief, and it's happening again. <laughs> but, you know, time has passed. I have probably a slightly different perspective. But even uh, the first dream, the, there, I felt very, very good for about five or six weeks after my wife died. I didn't feel it was not grievous because her death had been very euphoric, peaceful, you know, um, I felt very connected to her. So I didn't experience it right away. And then I had a dream of her being unavailable to me. She was a gay man. She didn't speak English. You know, there, <laughs> there were a, a, a bunch of things that would make us not be together. And uh, that actually... We could call it a negative dream, but what it did was open up my grief, which I needed to have. Yeah. And so I didn't experience it. I experienced it as wrenching, but not negative and almost as necessary. You know, uh, it was going to happen that I would, would have to do the work of the grief. Right, right. Um, and when I... When we talk about it, like the positive or negative dreams, I'm talking about the content of the dreams. I'm not talking about the reaction of right. the dreams. And so, but yeah, like a negative con, like a dream that has negative content can be used for inspiration to almost also, if you're avoiding your grief, a negative dream can also reflect that and make you deal with the fact that the person's died in many ways too. And mm -hmm. so it can help with emotion regulation on the negative side, but also the positive side. And yeah, like if you know how to look at dreams too, it can give you a lot of clues on what needs to sort of what you need to look at in waking life, which isn't a negative thing because that can really help you. I'm I'm circling back to what you said about uh, the initial period after your dad died, where the most natural thing in the world happened, which was that you cried, mm -hmm. and you couldn't stop. Right? That to me seems so natural. <laughs> it, it that wasn't a problem. The problem was that you were very uncomfortable with that. It was completely out of whack with you before that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So to me, that's more the problem than the fact that you had a ton of tears. That seems like sort of, of course, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm surprised I didn't have like a negative dream because a negative dream would have also stirred up those emotions and brought it back. And so it was interesting. I didn't remember one of those, even though I, I may have had them, but just not remembered them. And that's sort of one of the things when it comes to the research is that you know one of the one of the uh, amazing things is that you know when we look at who has these dreams and when and why. I looked at multiple studies, and dream recall frequency is the most important aspect of that. And so those who are having remembering more dreams in general 
will remember more of these types of dreams. And so what it tells me is that we're probably dreaming of the cease more than remembering it. And I think, mm-hmm. and that's very interesting. So like I could have had negative dreams of my father, but just not remembered them. But I remember sure. this more positive one. Yeah. Time for our second break, and we'll come back to that when we're when we're uh, when we return. Uh, listeners, you can go find me at weatheringgrief.com, my website, or at the Good Grief host page. And to find Joshua Black, go to griefdreams.ca. Back soon. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. This is your host, Cheryl Jones. I've been talking with Joshua Black about his research into grief dreams and what he's noticed during the pandemic. And Josh, let's let's kind of dive into that for a minute because we've we've skirted the edges. But what are you noticing so far if people are reaching out to you and and um, sharing pandemic dreams? What what are you noticing about that? So as I said, they they're they're both kinds and but they're they're interesting that they are occurring still. And I want to go back to the negative dream that we sort of talked about how it's not a negative dream in the content doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a negative dream in the interpretation. And so there's an individual who contacted me where she was in Canada, she lives in Canada, and her father was dying in the US. And because of the border restrictions, she couldn't be there for his last days. And she felt so horrible about that. They still tried to use a phone or technology to try to see her or see him and vice versa. But she said it wasn't the same, and she was really disheartened about that. Anyway, so she had this dream, and in the dream, uh, her father said he was very dizzy, and he fell. She picked him up and helped him like a child, and held him like a child. Uh, He took a few breaths as they looked at each other in silence, then he died. Her mother walked up and said, is he? And she said, yes, he is gone. She held him tight, and she woke up. And when she woke up, what was interesting was she felt very grateful that she was able to be there as he died. It was one of those things that she never got a chance to do, and she was able to be able to do it in that dream. And it said it helped her immensely to work through that. And I thought that was very, said like very interesting to what we just talked about and how our interpretations can have a huge impact on how we see those dreams as we move forward. But was the yeah, the beautiful thing is that a lot of the dreams are coming to me still about people who have died during the pandemic. They're very loving. Like I had this uh, individual, Jessica, who came on my podcast, episode 197, and her uh, her grandmother died and said like she was having a very difficult time, you know, with that. Anyway, so she had this dream where she was actually crying in the dream. She was overwhelmed with sadness over the death of her grandmother, and she was crying on her mother's shoulder. And then she saw her grandmother standing there in the in the doorway. And her grandmother was just smiling and glowing so bright. She was wearing all white, and she didn't speak, but she was transmitting love. And Jess uh, suddenly felt this wave of pure love and just calm, calmness wash over her. 
And she mentioned she's never felt anything like this before. The love was so different than anything she'd ever experienced. And she woke up with a new lease on life. She said that it comforts her even now, but even in other areas of the pandemic where she's overstressed, she can go back to that dream and sit in that love. And I think mm. for me, there's a power to that love. And that's what happened with my dad's dream. And you see it with a lot of other dreams where mm -hmm. love has this power within it. And if we can just obtain it and sit with it, well, it's amazing what it can do for us as to help us cope and help us work through some of these challenges. And you, that's why I'm sort of when you see this love, you realize even though the difficulties in the pandemic, the love is more powerful than the challenges. And I think there is something beautiful about that, but it's just achieving that love. And these dreams can really be a lighthouse for us to learn what kind of love is possible. Because I think when we just look at ourselves, we think, you know, we're in a state of love, but really there's levels to love and to understand our limitations on getting there. And these dreams can really help us, help us there. And you see that, you know, with other people, with, you know, people saying goodbye, like similar with me, um, other people um, never had a dream. And a friend, you know, told them about a very positive dream that they had that referenced not only the individual was there with the person, but it was a, it was a actually, I'll tell you the dream. So the, it was uh, Amanda Klotz and she was writing a book and she just actually released it called Live Your Life. Anyway, so she never had a dream, but. Uh, one of her friends did. And in the dream, uh, her deceased husband basically said, I saw, I saw that you read the book referring to her friend. I'm so proud of her referring to Amanda. I sat beside her the whole time she was writing it. This is the first time I've heard my story and what happened. I finally have closure. And I think that that was really nice and it really helped Amanda, you just tell. I believe it's in her book too. So you see, even if you don't have a dream, someone else may be having a dream that may help you through the, the grief just during like, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Just like my my mom's caregiver's dream helped me for so sure. I, I still haven't dreamed about my mother, but I feel like I have. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing, because it's so vivid in my mind, the other thing I, I wanted to say about that is I I studied with someone who used what what is called eidetic imagery a lot mm -hmm. in his his therapy practices. And the idea of that is that if you really experience something, even if it didn't actually happen in in, you know, our kind of gross nervous system, uh, if it happened in our sympathetic nervous system, it happened. It's an experience. And to me, dreams are those kind of images. Uh, if we let them be, they're experiences, right? They're not just pictures. Well, they have, no, they have the power to change us, even with us even understanding what benefits they do. And I think there's more benefits than we know of currently. We're just at the beginning of the research on this topic. So yeah, there's a lot to learn and a, a lot of tools that we can learn from this and how it can help people so much to be able to use in waking life on be able to help people who are bereaved. And I want to also state too that people who weren't grieving over the death were still having these dreams of the deceased that were coming to help them through the pandemic. And that's what I kind of love about these dreams is that they don't stop when you're you're healing from the loss. Like they continue in different challenges throughout your life. So if you're going through something difficult like a pandemic and they've died 10 years ago, you could have a dream of them helping you through that. And then at end of life, you have people um, having dreams to help them with the transition from life to death. And so these dreams just don't stop. And I'll, sh I'll share right. a couple from just the pandemic. So a lot of people were just dreaming of the deceased hanging out. And I think, you know, with the loneliness and the isolation that was going on, they found those dreams very cathartic and they're very loving because the imagery itself was very loving. And so you can see that other people said it helped with um, one person helped with forgiveness, but this was one of my favorite ones that came in and it was from uh, Gary uh, who came on episode 161. Anyways, his friend died in 2008, so a little while, a long time ago, actually. Anyway, so he had this dream, and in the dream, his, basically, his friends asked him, or no, he asked his friend, do you think we're all going to be okay, referring to the pandemic? And his deceased friend, Paul, responded with, well, how are you? And then Gary replied, I'm okay. And then Paul said, well, then we're all going to be okay. And then, you know, <laughs> Gary woke up. And I think there's a lot of wisdom and insight into that if you just know how to like read into it. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about it. And 
when you look at it, you sort of see, you know, what was that? Like he could have said anything, but why that? And I think people need to understand, like, if we're going to be okay, you need to be okay. And it starts with you. And if you can be okay, then the world has a chance. If we're relying on other people, we have no control over that. And so it's got to start with ourselves. And so it's really nice to be able to basically point the focus back to yourself. And that can give you hope for what the world can achieve moving forward. I'm finding this conversation very heartening uh, in the sense that as we come, obviously my point of view is entirely about the ways that we transform grief over time into something beautiful, right? If we if we engage in it, if we let it happen, uh, that's that's my entire point of view. Um, but and and I haven't let go of that during the pandemic. But the idea that that um, in this one aspect and probably so many others. Um, People are already engaged in the work of having experiences that that aren't, you know, aren't defined entirely by the thing that happened. Mm. You know, if you're if you're dreaming about someone and they're saying, "Are you okay?" and you say, "Well, yes," and that's that takes you another step towards whatever life is going to be uh, post pandemic right whatever whatever we're going to take out of it and go forward with yes yes and there's other deceased to ask people how they're just doing in the pandemic and it's just one of those things to to just understand and reflect on and these dreams because not only of their questioning but also the emotional content of the dream of being so loving in the imagery well, it helps people regulate their emotions in waking life to see things with new eyes. Because without that dream, you're watching the news, you're talking to friends, all that stuff's usually pretty negative, or you're trying to prepare for the worst. And these dreams allow you to shift your focus to sort of with with hope and with love. And now you're looking at the situation in a different way, which will help you uh, find your way out or find your way to a better place where you can be of support to others as much as yourself. I'm sure you're familiar with this sort of uh, pop statement. Everything's okay, and if it's it, everything's okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not the end. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. In other words, hey, before we get out of here, I really want to hear about the kinds of things you're offering people. Uh, because now you've finished your research. When we first talked, you were getting your PhD and doing this research, and now it's uh, translating itself into the work you go forward with, uh, not just the podcast, but what other things are you doing to take what you learned in that process, both your own grief and your research, um, and carrying that into your next um you know, your next projects. Yeah, you're right. Like getting the PhD was such a big thing for me because I, I wanted to get all the studies done and then also published before I, I went on my next stage. Because as much as I could say it, if people can't find the research, it doesn't really exist per se. And so the studies have now been all been published, which is really nice. And so now there's this new phase in my life where it is about, you know, disseminating the research and raising awareness even more on the topic because it tends to be neglected and people aren't taught about it in any kind of thanatology program or counseling program. And so it's something that needs to be talked about just because even the numbers, but also the questions that people have, people need to be educated now in the area. And so um, because of pandemic, you can't do workshops, right? So <laughs> I went online and I have an online workshop that people can go to and basically learn about the topic. And so it's nine and a half hours long. And we talk about, you know, sleep, grief, dreams in general, and then a lot on dreams and how to work with these dreams and things to sort of be aware of. And then I have also a one-on-one a -on -one grief dreams consulting business where people, if they have questions on their dreams, they can come and we can talk about that and help provide some awareness on that. So you don't feel left out because you know, at the end of the day, it's great to be able to train others, but sometimes people just need help right now. And so I'm offering that to people as we move forward. You know, I'm thinking about interviews I've done um, about mediumship, uh, you know, people that 
either offer or go to mediums. There's a similar quality of comfort between some of the things people have experienced in that process and what we're talking about with dreams. Um, in that, it's a different. It gives you a different experience, right? Of the the person who's died. It doesn't. You don't get to skip grief, but it often does move people forward um, in a way that not that many things do. Both of these areas, the dreams we have, and so what. What occurs to me is since I'm so focused on what cre- creativity does. Um, there's a creation process in both those things. You're kind of walking into the unknown in a way. And uh, it feels to me like they're part of part of a basket together. Well, uh, what I heard, a lot of people who don't have dreams, well then, and they're spiritual, then they'll go to a, a medium to try to make sure the individual's okay, right? And so... That's sort of the, a lot of times that first dream is allowing people who are spiritual to believe that they've crossed over and that they're still loved, which is the two main messages people get, you know, even from <laughs> mediums. But I want to also sort of say that not all mediums talk about great messages. And so they're all, I guess, mediums are made differently. <laughs> especially yes. Just <laughs> all like the dreams. ones I've interviewed have been like, <laughs> I won't see someone right away. They need to actually, you know, feel those feelings. <laughs> Right. So yeah. I, I've tended to whoever would want to be on this show, I guess, you know, yeah, believes probably. grief's an actual thing. And <laughs> well, it's just about what is said, right? Like there's a lot of dreams that people have and it's about using discernment and people need to use discernment also with what mediums say, because there's also error within the system, too. So sure. you, know, you just have to understand that, you know, sometimes people have horror stories going to a medium and they say negative messages or they make them pay more money or they there's a lot of things right. that can complicate and so it's very easy to do your research if you do go to one of those absolutely I, you maybe have encountered the book after this by claire bidwell smith because uh, she she did a lot of investigation you know went to a bunch of a bunch of different people um because she had that persistent question years and years later, where are they? Right. So, um, I, I'm, I have room for it all as long as people get to have their experience, yeah. you know, and, and, um, get comfortable in their own territory, I guess. Joshua, it's been so great to talk to you again, and I hope people will go to griefdreams.ca to kind of dive deeper. Obviously, we had a one-hour chat here, and your course is nine and a half hours. We've scratched the surface, and I'm sure more to come. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having a platform for me to even just raise awareness on the topic. And so I just want to thank you for what you do and the platform you have. Thank you so much. Next week, I'll have Janine LeBlanc to talk about her book, Healing Hearts, Shatterproof. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.